Welcome to the New Freedom Church Podcast. This podcast will help you grow deeper in your faith through weekly 30-minute talks. If you haven't already done so, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you get each new episode as it's released. Now sit back and relax as God speaks to you through this message. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, the book of Luke, chapter 6. I'm going to be finishing up the the sixth chapter. As you know, we have been um, systematically going through the Gospels this year, and uh, chapter 6 presented about four unique opportunities to bring some life from the Word of God to our hearts. And so today I want to conclude on chapter 6, a message that is going to define the power of our words. Somebody say, power of my words. The Scriptures has a great deal to say about the speech or the language or the the words that we speak. In fact, it says that your tongue is the rudder of your life and it determines the direction and quality of your living. Proverbs 18 and 21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruit. I just want you to to remember that word fruit. We're gonna see that a whole lot in the message today that death and life are in the power of the tongue. You have the ability to speak things of life or to speak things of death, and your words actually become a type of fruit. This is ancient wisdom written thousands of years before Jesus' earthly ministry, yet it shows up again in our text today in the teaching of Jesus. Luke 6, verse 43 says this, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. Verse 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. This is where I want to get to. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let me ask you this question. If your words were fruit, would you want to eat them? If the words that you speak, if what comes out of your mouth, what utters over your lips were fruit, would it be delightful for you to pick one and eat it? I'll never forget a Bible college professor telling me one time in our class, he said, make sure that your words are sweet, for you never know when you may have to eat one. And oh, how I wish I had taken that advice when I was 19 years old going through Bible college. There have been a few times, I'm sure like when I was much younger, like last week, when I had to eat one of my words, when I had to take back one of my words, when I wish that the words that I had spoken were more faith-filled and were filled with more life because I had to retract or I had to eat one of those words. And here is what we're talking about today is the power of of our words. Hebrews 13 and 15 says, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. I told you this word fruit is going to show up time and time again in connection to our words. So the, the, the words you speak either have life or death, and they actually begin to create fruit or a garden of your life. A good tree equals good fruit. A bad tree equals bad fruit. In agricultural terms, there is no deception. 
In agricultural terms, the way that God created the universe and the way that God designed this entire galaxy to exist is that if you walk up to a tree, it cannot deceive you. It either has good fruit or it has bad fruit. And so this is the the premise that Jesus is laying when he's talking about this principle of our words. I want us to to look at the words of Jesus' brother, James. In James chapter 3, He gives us this great teaching to really elaborate a little bit on the foundation that Jesus gave. He elaborates a little bit more on the power of our words and actually our tongue. It says, the tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. Verse 9 says, with it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren... He's making an appeal here to to you and me. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Then he asked this question. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. And here's what he's saying is, based on the words of Jesus, a good tree has good fruit, a bad tree has bad fruit. And you cannot change that order of the universe. And so he's saying our tongue has an ability that nothing else in the universe has. We as humans have the ability to defy nature. Now we can look at all the great uh, technological breakthroughs. We have been able to defy gravity by putting an airplane in flight and how that this massive a moving metal piece can go through the air and stay up and not fall. It defies the laws of gravity. We have defied the laws of science and physics, and we've been able to split an atom, and we've been able to control through, through the, the uh, uh, technologies and, and breakthroughs. We've been able to control and harness power that had never been thought of before just in the last couple hundred years, 100 years really, some of the most techn- technological breakthroughs that we'd ever seen in human history. We've been able to defy certain things, But from the very beginning of time, from the very beginning of creation, James makes it clear to us that human beings have had this unique responsibility and a unique opportunity. And not always have we done it the right way, but we have in our mouths the ability to defy natural law. And here's what he says. A good tree gives good fruit, bad tree, bad fruit. A spring of sweet water cannot produce salt water. But you, my brethren, you speak blessings to God in a worship assembly. And as soon as you get out of worship, you can speak curses on the very people who live in your home, who call you by relative name or work with you or people in your midst. And here's what he's saying. This shouldn't be. You shouldn't be this way. Now, he's pinning this on all the human race because all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all been in this errant way. We have all had the opportunity, the occasion to speak things that we wish we hadn't, wish we could take those words back. We've all had good days and bad days, but he's saying here that it should not be that you bless God with the same mouth that you curse man. And he's using a natural, basic, elementary agricultural concept to show us that everything else in the universe is so ordered, but you and I as humans have a responsibility, a unique high calling to do what God has told us to do, and that is to bless and not curse. Now, this brings to my mind a story 
that's probably one of the most fascinating stories, I think, in all of the Old Testament. There are some, some really wild stories in the Old Testament. And, and this one here, you know, we, we probably gloss over it because we put it in like a, a children's book and portfolio, but it brings back to mind Numbers chapter 22. You can read this, 22 and 23, when you get home. But this is about a, a prophet and his talking donkey. His name is Balaam. And if you go back and you read this context, this story, it's really a fascinating story because what had happened was that the nation of Israel had grown so powerful. They had been conquering kingdoms and territories and they were, they were amassing such a, a large influence in the region that Balak, who was the king of the Moabites, he said, this is getting a little too close to my territory. These Israelites are going to come over, are going to make war with me and do to me just like they did the Amorites. And so I want to make sure that I hedge my, my bet here. He, he wanted to have some protection against these Israelites, not realizing that they had a force well superior because God was on their side. Actually, they were on the side of God in this, in this time in, in their national history, so they couldn't lose. And so what he does is he sends out his emissaries, and he, he goes in search of the most famous diviner of his time, the most famous person who was a go-between from the earth realm to the spirit realm, and this man's name was Balaam. Now, Scripture never positively speaks about Balaam, so you would, you would read the text, and you might think, well, he hears from God because God truly did come and speak to Balaam. But what we find is that Balaam was kind of a mystic and he was more a prophet for hire, you could say. And so when Balak sent this, these emissaries to come and ask him for his help, they wanted to give him rooms of silver. They wanted to give him a great treasure if he would go and curse, pronounce a curse on Israel, the people of God, so that they couldn't take any more territory. And when they go to him, he kind of likes the proposition. He likes what he's being asked to do here. And he says, tell me more. Well, I'll go and talk to, to God. And so we get from that, oh, he must hear from God. Well, the God of heaven did come and speak to him and said, listen, you cannot pronounce a curse upon my people. I've already blessed them. You cannot pronounce a curse upon them. He heard that. He understood that. But he was entertaining more of this offer of great wealth. And so on his way to go and hear from the king himself, his donkey sees an angel, the Lord, standing in the middle of the road with a sword drawn. The donkey veers off the path and Balaam kicks his donkey and says, get back on the road. As soon as the donkey turns, he sees the angel there again. He's kind of hemming him and, and this, this donkey crushes his master's foot up against a fence. And he not only curses the donkey, he gets off and beats and whips the donkey and says, if I had a sword right now, I would kill you. And then the donkey, the Bible says that God opens his mouth. The donkey speaks and says, my master, my Lord, why would you do this to me? I have been faithful to you all the days that you have ridden me. I have never done anything bad. Now, can you imagine? And the guy talks back to his donkey. They have this conversation that ensues. There is this logic that's going on. And finally, it took the donkey to open up the man's eyes, and then he sees the servant of the Lord there too. But he doesn't stop trying to go after the silver. He doesn't stop trying to get the, the prize. He actually entertains it again and hears from the king. And here's what he does. Four times he goes out to try and determine if he can curse Israel, and four times 
instead of cursing them, he pronounces a blessing upon them. Now, this is how that you know that God is on your side. When he takes even your enemies and turns their course and makes them pronounce a blessing. And finally, Balaam says, listen, I've seen it all. A donkey talk. I have tried to pronounce a curse. I can't. And and I am going to just stop right here. And I'm going to pronounce the blessing upon God's people that has always existed. And I want to tell you today that you can never curse what God has blessed. You don't have to fear about the things that other people are trying to plot and scheme and get over on you. If you will stay steady with the heart of God, if you'll stay in the pathway of your calling, if you will stay laser focused on where God has placed you, then you will walk in the blessing of God. It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter what other people say. They don't get a veto power, a veto right on what God has told you to do. Now, let me ask you this. Did you know... We just talked about, we just saw that donkeys can talk, but did you know that your heart can talk? According to the scripture, it can. And this is something we see in verse 45. It says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So in essence, your heart talks. Now, singers and songwriters have known this for years. You can listen to some of your favorite songs that you grew up to, and you know that singers will we'll write lyrics that kind of put you into a frame of mind and you connect and you relate to what they're saying because it's how you have also felt. And you wonder, how did they know my story so well? And they put it to a tune, they put it to lyrics. And we can connect and we can relate to that. All gen- genres, all kinds of venues, all kinds of music. In fact, it's been said, if you would just listen to certain music backwards, it's even better, like country music. If you listen to it backwards, listen, you get your dog back, you get your job back you get your truck back and you get your wife back. I mean, this pretty good deal, right? So out of these words that we sing, out of these things that we say, we are either pronouncing blessing or cursing. There is no neutral word. Everything has weight. Everything has power. That's why we should be careful what we allow in our ear gate and in our eye gate, because it goes down into the depths of our recesses of our heart, our inner life, Not the the organ that's pumping blood throughout your body. That's not your heart. The heart is the inner you. It's the inner life. And from that place, the scripture says, your mouth will begin to speak. Let me uh, back it up with Jesus' words here. Matthew 15 and 16. So Jesus said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? He's talking about food rituals and, and all kinds of different dietary laws that they would keep in that day. And they wouldn't eat this because it's unclean. They wouldn't eat that because of the way it was prepared. And Jesus said, listen, anything you put in your mouth, it goes into your stomach and it gets eliminated. Verse 18, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from where? Come from the heart. And they defile a man for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. And this is why James, the brother of Jesus, tells us that as followers of Christ, we should be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak, quick to listen. Think about it. And just because it enters in your mind as a thought, and just because it may actually be factual and true, doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to come out of you. Just because you think it doesn't mean you need to say it. Now that'll help somebody really big today, all right? 
That's worth the price of admission right there. Just because you think it doesn't mean you need to say it. We need to run a filter through our minds on the things that we say. We need to think about what we say before we allow those words to utter over our lips. We need to, to have this filter of this. Does it bless? Is what I'm about to say a blessing? Does it build up? Does it encourage? Does it bless? Does it build up? Does it encourage? Is it true? Is it true? Is it appropriate? Not everything is appropriate to be said in every setting. There are certain things that we keep from certain settings. Is it helpful? Does it bless? Does it build up? Here's the filter. Does it encourage? Is it true? Is it appropriate? Is it helpful? If not, if it doesn't meet that test, then it may be better to just let it pass and not say it. In this has a, has a notion of our motivation. Why do we say the things that we say? How do we operate in such a way? Are we just simply giving lip service when we come into a worship environment? Are we just simply putting on our Christian talk for an hour or two on a Sunday morning so that we can give lip service to God? Or is it truly a heart application that we want to apply, not only now, but also when we walk out of this place, when we go to our job, when we go to our school, when we, when we go to anywhere God calls us this week, are we applying our heart to what it is that we're thinking and ultimately what we say? Let's go back to our text, Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Jesus continues, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Not just the things he teaches, not just the things that he did, the things that he says. Out of Jesus' mouth was coming the words of life. Why do you call me Lord and not do the things I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he's like. So if we are hearing the word of God and we begin doing the things which God says in his word that we can do, that we should do, that, that we are empowered and enabled to do. Jesus says, I'm going to give you a picture of what that person looks like. He says in verse 48, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, can't get any more appropriate for our national attention this week than what Jesus is about to reveal here, spiritually speaking, about our lives. He's like a man building a house who dug deep, laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it for it was founded on rock. What are you basing your life on? What are you basing what you say and how you operate and what you do? Are you basing it on the foundation, the solid rock of Jesus. Look at verse 49. But he who heard and did nothing is like the man who built his house on earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great. Here, here is the, the, the great paradox. If you take two people building something in perfect conditions, 70 degree weather, sunny outside, no rain in the forecast, 
if one of them builds on a foundation, it's gonna take a little bit longer to dig, to measure, to put in the right materials and to build the construction. But if the other one doesn't do that, they can bypass a lot of time and they can build a structure nonetheless. They, they can have a house sitting there. And at the end of that day, if both establishments are built, from the natural eye, they look the same, do they not? They both have a building. They both have a door. They can walk in, they can sit in their house. But one of them is susceptible to the elements and the other one is impenetrable to the elements. And there may be some people right now in your life that you're looking at, you're, you're maybe measuring yourself. The apostle Paul tells us don't to compare ourselves. It's not wise, but we do it. But you may be measuring somebody up and you wonder how in the world are they getting so far ahead? How in the world do they have that? And I, I, I'm still digging my foundation. How in the world? They already built all those things. And yet you look at their life and it's a seemingly contradiction because they're not speaking words of blessing. They're not speaking words of encouragement. They're not building people up. They're actually doing everything they can to tear down. They're, they're bypassing things. They're cutting corners. And in, and in one sense, what happens is when we are digging and we get down to that rock and we're laying that foundation and we look over and someone's already done, we get a little bit jealous. We, we wonder why. Why God? We, we say, Lord, why haven't you blessed me like you've blessed them? And Jesus is telling us, just because it looks like they're further ahead, doesn't mean that they're ready for the sure storm that is coming. There's a storm coming. There's always a storm coming. Let the season change a little bit. There's another storm coming. They both look the same but they're not based upon the same foundation. And when we get into God's word and we truly understand and allow these words to penetrate our heart and we start to speak words of blessing and not of curse, it orders our entire life. Words are powerful. Somebody say that, words are powerful. And Jesus is pointing out here that simply telling somebody what they wanna hear is not enough. That actions speak louder than words. He's saying you can listen to it all and you can even regurgitate it back in the right order, but what have you done with the word? Have you followed up those words that you've spoken? Words of blessing, not of curse. Have you dug down deep to that foundation? You know, it's not enough just to say the right things in certain moments. Flowery words can never save. If you're taking a test for a grade, it may be enough just to memorize the material and then forget it later. But when it comes to the words of life, when it comes to activating faith in your life, Romans 10, 9 and 10 tell us this, that if you confess with your mouth, let's see the connection, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes, leans into, trust in, righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So is it a matter of just saying the right things to get someone off your back, to pass the test? Or is it a matter of your heart truly convinced that what God has said is true, and I'm going to walk it out? I'm not just professing it, I am leaning on it, I am depending on it, I am trusting in his word. Jesus told a parable in Matthew 21 about this same notion of a heart dedication versus lip service. I'll just give you a quick summary. It, it says that a father went out 
and he called his two sons and he said, I want both of you to go and I want you to work today in my field. And the first son says, Father, I don't want to go out and work. I don't, I don't feel like going out in the field today. I don't want to do it. He walks away from his dad. And what's he do? He goes to the barn. He grabs his ax. He grabs his shovel. He goes out. And begrudgingly, he works in the field. The second son says, oh, dad, send me. I'll do it. Oh, you, what do you want done, dad? Just make the list. I'll do it. No problem. And never even gets off of his chair to go out in the field and work. And Jesus asked this question. He says, at the end of the day, which son did the will of his father? The one that said the flowery words and said all the right things and never had any action? Or the one who was honest and said, I really don't want to, but I know that's your desire. And therefore, I'm going to, with my heart, give diligence and obedience to what you have said. And I wonder today how many of us need to think about what we're thinking about and check the words that come out. That there is power in what we say. That our mouth is like the rudder of a ship. It's directing our life. And as our heart activates with believing faith to accept the claims of this book, to say yes to Jesus and his sacrifice. And we say, I'm gonna no longer speak words of curse. I'm only gonna speak blessing. Every word of blessing I speak is like laying another block on the foundation of my life. That though I may not see the full building right now and it may take decades of time to see it spoken over my family and over my life, I am nonetheless going to continue to speak blessing. For I know that God's word is true. And I know that from the beginning, his word says that there is seed, time, and harvest. Now we don't neglect planting seed, we do that. We love the harvest, this is harvest time, but we don't like that part in between. It's waiting, it's time. Maybe you've been speaking the right things and you're not seeing any results. I would encourage you today, you're in time. You're waiting for the harvest. Keep speaking them. Keep speaking blessings, not curses. For James tells us that we have the ability to speak both. We can have forked tongue. We can speak blessing and curse out of the same mouth. But brethren, it ought not be. Don't defy nature. Don't use your tongue to curse when you can easily use it to bless. Speak the words of life. The greatest things that you can ever say as a human being is what's come to be known as the Jesus prayer. The Jesus prayer goes like this. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. I pray that prayer often because I need it so much. I prayed that prayer when I was 15 years old, kneeling at an old fashioned altar. When I prayed a prayer like that to say, come into my life, Jesus, change me, transform me, make me a new creature. And my life was forever changed. But since that day, there's been many times I've had to come back and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. I messed up again, I need you again. And if that's you today and you need that solace, you need that heart connection to God, you need to speak it with your mouth, believe it in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you will be saved. But maybe there's others that are in the need of speaking some blessing over 
some areas of your life that you've neglected. You've not been speaking blessings over those areas. Maybe there are some people in your life that you need to make something right with and bless them and no longer curse them. You've, you've dealt harshly with someone and you need to make it right and speak a blessing. You can do that today. You can change the direction of your life by the words that you say. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. With heads bowed and no one looking around, I wonder today if you'd like to pray. That first prayer is the most powerful. It's the most important. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. I repent. I accept you as my savior and my Lord. And maybe there's a prayer that we need to pray that goes something like this. Lord, I have cursed. I've said things that I am ashamed of today that uttered out of my mouth. I have secretly wished harm on other people and I have even spoken ill of them in the presence of people who have influence in their life. And I repent of that today. From this day forward, God, I want to be a person of blessing. I want the fountain of my life to be blessing. I don't want bitter water to come out of my mouth anymore. I wanna be that sweet spring of water as your spirit flows in my life and out of my heart will flow the rivers of living water. And from my heart, my mouth will speak blessings and praise to you. It's in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.